Today's podcast is brought to you by Company Cam. The only app every painter needs, Company Cam makes it dead simple to communicate, document, and problem solve with your crew no matter where you are. Company Cam brings documentation, communication, and liability protection together in one simple, easy to use app for you and your entire team. Take unlimited photos and videos, share custom reports, create flawless before and afters, and even communicate and share progress with homeowners, with galleries and project timelines, all from your smartphone. Company Cam, the only app every painter needs. Check it out at companycam.com slash paint radio. That's us, paint radio, companycam.com slash paint radio. Or check them out in your app store. Company Cam, the only app every painter needs. Welcome to Paint Radio with your host, Emily Howard and Andrew Dwyer. Paint Radio, Emily, what do we try to accomplish more than anything else at APC? Let me further that question before you answer, because what do we hear most from painting contractors? They say, you know, we just don't have enough to do. And that is why we have a podcast today about adding something to your business. Genius. Emily, I wish I could take credit for this, but it was all you. Well, thank you. I always appreciate the wonderful compliments you give me. I feel like after the years, though it feels like decades, that we've been doing this podcast, that you have developed the thickest of thick skin. <laughs> yes, that was a requirement of the job, though. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> like the absence of the opposite of health care. I kid because I care, and boy, do I care. We care about helping painting contractors improve their businesses, find more satisfaction, more revenue, more profit, more happiness. And so today we're talking about how, if you wanted to, you could add decorative painting to your list of services as a painting contractor. And joining us to discuss that, we have Diane Williams. She is outreach chairperson for IDAL, the International decorative artisans league and the owner of art to die for in lovely richmond virginia she's also a past top job winner diane how are you i am great i'm excited to be here i've been looking forward to it and you do not need to have thick skin because i am kind to the game (laughs) wonderful yes and no one knows that better than our next guest Cindy Howard, owner of CRH Studios in Sugarland, Texas, former board member for IDAL, former APC advisory board member, former top job winner, current COO of Decorative and Faux Finishes. Cindy, how are you? Yes, I am fantastic. Thanks for asking. Happy to be here. Well, I really do want to know because it's very important and I hope you are doing well and you're not just saying that. Well, we're incredibly busy and incredibly blessed and looking forward to helping more people learn the joy of decorative painting. That's why you were on the show. That's why Emily, (laughs) our head booker, because it's not enough to do it. You got to love it and live it. And that's what you guys do. And that's tremendous. So you both obviously are connected with IDAL, the International Decorative Artisans League. You can learn more about them at Decorative Artisans 
org, or as Emily says, ORG. <laughs> Who would like to answer first to talk about what IDAL is and how you are making the world a better place? I'll take that one. IDAL is a 38-year-old nonprofit 501c3 organization dedicated to the continuation and the awareness of decorative painting, what it is. And we host a yearly convention where we offer days and days of fabulous classes from any skill set from beginner on up to advanced to, as I said, increase the awareness of decorative painting and keep it going. And so Diane reached out to me not too long ago because we've been having this conversation across all areas of the painting industry actually is about career paths. And we talk about career paths on the business side a lot in our series Mission Vacation. But another piece that we've been talking about is career paths on the craft side. A lot of people have apprentice and painter one, painter two, up to master painter and have found ways to build people's skills beyond that. But Diane was telling me about a very interesting new thing that IDEL has called decorative beginnings that will kind of help you on that journey, giving opportunities to your employees or to yourself if you're a sole practitioner opportunities to grow your skills and get more high-end jobs and bigger paying jobs. So Diane, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So Decorative Beginnings is one day out of our upcoming convention schedule in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's going to take place on January 26th from 8.30 to 4.30. And it is geared towards existing painting contractors who might want to consider adding decorative painting to their portfolio, or if there's somebody out there who has just always loved to paint and wanted to step into the decorative painting field, this is a great way to get started. It's small breakout sessions that just teach you the kind of the basics and the beginnings of what you need to know and how to dip your toe into becoming a decorative painter or adding a decorative painter to your painting contractor staff. Our annual convention this year is in Scottsdale, Arizona from January 25th to January 28th. And Wednesday of that week is our decorative beginnings day. And we also have an expo on that day. So part of the decorative beginnings day will be a guided tour through the expo to see all the newest and the latest and greatest in trowels and plasters and metallics and all things decorative painting. So who is this tailored towards? Would you say this is more towards employees, towards owners? Who is it that you all are hoping to see at Decorative Beginnings? I guess probably to an employer who might have that person on their staff or have had some experience with some decorative painting or faux finishing and want to learn a little bit more about it and decide if that's something that they can bring into their portfolio. That's who we're interested in. A business owner could send one or two staff members for that day to learn the basics and then come back and report what they've learned. And like I said, there's three other days of classes too. So they could certainly stay and take some of the other wonderful decorative painting classes that we're offering this year. Certainly can't ask for a more tailor-made opportunity and event for painting contractors to learn about decorative painting. What do you hear from painting contractors? What's sort of a common question from them who are contemplating adding it? Do they think the technique is too complicated? The learning curve is too long? 
do they have an outsized expectation of what they can earn? Or maybe the opposite is true, that they don't realize just how much good money there is in decorative painting. What are some of the things that you hear from painting contractors? Yeah, I mean, the pay is through the roof. I mean, you can do whatever (laughs) you, you can earn whatever you put into it. We have employees and subs that get anywhere from $15 to $40 an hour. But if you're the owner of the business, you could make six figures. It's not a big problem. It just depends on how busy you want to be and how many people you want to wrangle, you know? The things that painters can already do, the skills they already have that they don't realize is probably quite astounding. Like if they do any floating, well, then they're going to probably be excellent plasters. You know, they want to do some Venetian plaster, diamond plaster, metallic plaster. They learn really quick. And then uh, distressing cabinets, things like that. They're already around cabinets all the time. You know, a lot of cabinet painters out there. So there's, it's not like it's a huge jump. It's just that next step to giving the client what they want. Because I think almost more than anything with decorative painters, we're the solution people because the customer will say, you know, well, I want it to look like this or I want it to be like that. I'm like, no problem. Let's do it. And so that is something that we could easily guide other painters into being that person. But let's go to the point of if they don't want to be that person, if they don't want to be the person that does the distressing or does the, you know, plaster or whatever it is, what a great thing it is to network for decorative painters and painting contractors to network with each other and grow the contacts that we have with each other, first of all, but just doing the jobs themselves, they can give a referral to a decorative painter. And if they so desire, they could get a commission on it and go beyond that. They can make a client super happy because they have given the client some time and energy back to them. It's out of their hands. They didn't have to go searching for that solution. So that's part of why we should all get to know each other better. So you're saying it's not required that you now employ decorative painters, that you could outsource this, you could employ them on a, on a temporary basis, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. We, we do stuff great, like that all the time. There's a great spot on the IDEL website called Find a Pro, and that is geared toward anyone who needs to find a decorative painter. All of the painters on Find a Pro are professional painters, and so Anybody can look up their area and up will pop any names of any professional decorative painters that are in their area and they can reach out to them and form a partnership or just hand off a job or work together. You mentioned a few of the, uh, of the finishes. You mentioned several plasters. You talked about the stressing in your own marketing materials. You joke about how decorative finishing is more than just sponge painting. And so rattle through some of what is popular these days, but also is it a hurdle that is it difficult to find someone who can provide all the finishes that a high-end, say, residential repaint customer is going to be interested in? Are there specialists? Are you going to have to have a bevy of four, five, six, seven decorative finishers who can handle all the <laughs> finishes under the sun? I think Cindy and I will both say, no, you ask us to paint <laughs> it and we'll figure out how to paint it. <laughs> now, with, within our own crew, we have people that do excel more in some areas than others. So of course, as a company, I look to those particular people to lead others on those jobs. So, but 
by people coming to learn more, you know, at classes, online classes, hands-on classes, all that, they're going to grow within their own staff if they want to do that um, so that they can be specialists in different areas if they so desire. But no, I mean, like within our company, we can give you every possible decorative painting, decorative finish that you could ever want, just like Diane said. Within one month's time, you could spend one week doing a wood graining finish on cabinetry or maybe a garage door. And then you could go right into a metallic plaster on a ceiling with a stencil around a chandelier. One of my favorite things about it is that it differs so much. Rarely, rarely do you do the same thing twice. And that keeps it exciting. Metal finishes, bling finishes, all kinds of plasters. It's really amazing. So, and I love what you said earlier about you get out of it, what you put into it. So meaning Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to start with, okay, we need somebody who knows every decorative finish under the sun, right? What we're talking about here. And if I understand correctly, the goal of decorative beginnings is to build on the skills that painters already have. And so if that's the case, what are some of, and I know you just brought up a couple, but like, what are some of the beginning finishes that if you were looking to add decorative that you would go after? Probably the one that most everyone thinks of is glazing. That's taking glaze, which is no pigment, no dryers, no binders or anything in it to move paint across the wall. It has a sheer finish to it and you apply it and move it across the wall in many, many different ways. So that's probably the most basic one that people think of when they think of faux finishing. And then it goes up from there, all the different plasters. I'm stenciling at the decorative beginnings. We are offering one of the breakout sessions is on basic stenciling. It's a learned skill, but you certainly can learn to do it and you can learn to do it very, very well. Can you even say faux finishing or are you supposed to say decorative finishing? (laughs) Well, so Idell offers a continuing education unit hour-long program, and we do delve into that. Bow finishing is a valid term, but it only applies to making something look like something else, like marbling columns or doing a wood grain finish on a front door. Those are a traditional, exactly bow finishing. Everything else, we kind of lump into the decorative painting title. Because faux actually means fake in French, right? So That's why we're doing, we're faking people out. We're giving them the look without having to pay for the marble wall or the marble columns. It's pain instead. So it's fake. We've seen a lot of the faux wood graining. I've gotten a ton of pictures from contractors and and decorative painters and people who are working with that. Are you guys seeing a lot more wood graining now than we have in the last couple decades? I have done more wood graining in the last three months than I have in 20 years. (laughs) And if you look at the trends as, you know, what the designers see and all the new furniture being made, such as high point market, wood graining is everywhere. Burl wood, it's it's everywhere this season. So that's what your designers are going to start asking for. So yes, it's happening a lot. Right. Organic, real organic trend going on. I love the idea of here you're looking at being able to tap into a high-end market first. But secondly, if you do have somebody on your staff who is a fantastic painter, somebody who's moved up the ranks, they don't want to run a crew, they don't want to get into operations, but they do want to further their skills, 
there's lots of opportunity out there because there's all kinds of different painting and finishing, but decorative is definitely one that's held in really high regard. And like you guys said, pays very well on top of it. So everybody kind of wins in that. And it's so in demand right now. We are so, so busy because of, you know, everyone stuck at home looking at their four walls. And then there's such a trend right now with um, all the bespoke finishes makers, everything, people are gravitating towards handmade things and decorative painting falls right into that trend. A lot of the finishes can actually be put on canvas or put on wood panels for art pieces too. And that's even more beneficial, you know, by the square foot price-wise. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bear Pro. Two popular products that Bear Pro is promoting to the APC audience are the Bear Premium Cabinet and Trim Interior Enamel and Bear Ultra Scuff Defense Interior Paint. Bear Premium Cabinet and Trim Interior Enamel dries to a hard, durable finish, and its tack-free film keeps doors from sticking together after just two hours. By the way, darker colors may require additional dry time. Longer dry time required in cooler temperatures and higher humidity. It has excellent flow and leveling and is ideal for use on cabinets, trim, doors, windows, shutters, and woodwork. It's available in satin and semi-gloss finishes. For more information, visit bearpro.com slash cabinet and trim. Bear Ultra Scuff Defense Interior Paint sets a new standard for paint durability. Scuff Defense features an innovative paint formula that delivers advanced burnish, scuff, and mar resistance for high traffic areas. It's available in flat, eggshell, satin, and semi-gloss finishes. For more information, go to bearpro.com slash scuff defense. Both the cabinet and trim enamel and scuff defense are exclusively available at the Home Depot. You can contact a Bear Pro representative by visiting bear.com slash rep. Now, do either of you all do any flat painting or do you work with painting contractors for that? Do you guys have partners in the space you work with? I do not do any flat painting. I have a couple different paint contractors that I work with. Once we decide on the finish, I can let them know what paint and what sheen, what I need, and they'll go in and get the wall started for me. And then I'll come in and do any decorative work. We tell them what exactly, which color, which brand, everything. And then every now and then, if there's a job that just time-wise, it just, you know, it's a necessity, one of our cruel old base paint. But we try to keep the flow of the work going with the contractors that that's their profession, that's their art. And uh, we respect that. Oh, I love that. I think that's good. So so you all both started decorative painting businesses. And what we're talking about here is a little bit different because what we're talking about is adding something to an existing business. What would you all say? I mean, we already talked about kind of upskilling employees and giving them opportunity. What would you guys say are some of the benefits of adding something like decorative, but then also maybe what are some of the risks? The beauty of adding it is you possibly will not lose that employee that's bored that does want to learn a little bit more than straight painting, because I will tell you, it's fun. (laughs) Decorative (laughs) painting is an absolute joy. And 
you know, once you learn how to do it and you feel more confident, I just can't hardly express the feeling. It, it's really very satisfying. And I think if you had it, you know, to offer those special employees that you feel as though can move on to a, you know, a different level to, you know, it's the, for the same level, what is it they say? You move horizontally to a different grouping of skill, but it's a great way to, and to show them that you think they can learn something new. I think that's kind of a compliment. Man, to the right employee, someone who's got the itch that needs to be scratched. (laughs) uh, That Mm -hmm. is a wonderful opportunity. Our good friend, Art Snarzik, Emily, taught us early on that if you're hiring for an accountant, you probably shouldn't be looking for someone with unbelievably creative juices flowing because that might not be a good fit. So yeah, I think that's that's a wonderful thing to keep in mind that for the right employee, not only does it add a new service to the business, but it keeps the employee that you definitely want on staff. Great stuff. Any thoughts, advice, tips, brainstorming on what contractors should do or think about if they've been toying with this idea that, you know, I... I'd like the opportunity to add these upsell services to some of my high-end clients. How should they go about taking those first steps? Well, we have discussed setting up with the outreach chair people that we have working with IDEL, one of whom is um, Dean Sickler, who sits on the board. I know you all are familiar with him. He is willing to, along with the rest of us on the outreach committee, set up any Zoom calls or phone calls with any contractors who just might want to get a few questions answered or kind of a more personalized discussion as to what could help them get started. So we were brainstorming that this morning and and thought that would be something great to offer. All they would need to do is reach out to the IDEL office, which is IDEL.office at gmail.com. And we can set up a time for a couple of us to answer any questions they would have. Excellent information, tremendous resources at IDEL. Again, their website, Decorative Artisans dot org diane and cindy good luck with the convention in beautiful scottsdale arizona january 24 to 28 tremendous stuff and most importantly thank you for coming on paint radio and sharing your passion and practical tips for our listeners really thank you so much well thank you very much for letting us come talk about what we love to do every day there's the passion i was talking about i love there it is Yeah, yeah, you can tell we both really do love it. And I know I've been in business over 20 years. I know Cindy has also. So, you know, it's been sustainable and we we both really do love it. So thanks for having us. Thanks for letting us tell all the listeners about IDAL. And please reach out with any questions or any thoughts. We're here to continue this wonderful art. So we welcome anyone with open arms who wants to learn more about it. Awesome. And again, IDAL, learn more at decorativeartisans.org. We're talking about, you know, once you've decided this might be a good idea of equal importance is how to do it intelligently because the business, like steering a boat, can't just yank it from side to side. We have to proceed with some caution and intellect. So when we're talking about doing something new, adding a new direction, adding a service to your business, you know, Emily thinks that you should plan and do things intentionally. And I think you should just go and figure out things later, but she's the boss. And so if we're talking about doing things with intention and intelligently, of course, who do we talk to? The great folks at Nolan Consulting Group and joining us now is Catherine Freeman. She's the senior business coach and 
Director of Operations at Nolan Consulting Group. Catherine, thank you for joining us. How are you? You know, it's always great to be here. Thanks so much for having us on board. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Emily, of course, is in charge of the invitations because we know what would happen if they came from me. So on to the meat of the topic. Catherine, got painting contractors thinking about adding a decorative service, but I would assume this would apply to charting any new course. How would you break the ice? What advice do you want to give to painting contractors who are thinking about adding a new service to their business? I want to make sure that we're starting in the right place. And we, we've we checked this additional service with our vision, right? So, so it does coincide with the growth that we're expecting for our business. It's something that we've either thought about before or know to be something that our clients are looking for. So checking it against the vision, it's not just a shiny lure that's temporarily distracting us from where we want to go. But after that, it really is about, as Emily wants, it's about checking and planning and making sure that you're really going about this in the right way. Because you can go out there and, I mean, we've got ladders, we'll do gutters. We've got ladders, we'll do Christmas lights. We've got ladders. You know, we can do we can do everything. But unless you're really deliberate about it, you could end up with a, a whole bunch of revenue streams out there that are just, you've got to do marketing for it. You've got to train for it. You've got to do all of these things. And it maybe doesn't necessarily work out at the end. So a deliberate planning is where we want to start. Where does that start? So you've checked it against your vision. Yes. Adding new services is something that you want to do. Decorative is getting bigger and you know that it could potentially help you build career paths for your painters who don't necessarily want to go into the business side and provide more training and provide more opportunity for your employees and provide something else that your business can provide for your customers out there. What's the first thing that you plan? I do want to make sure that I'm going to be able to sell this particular service correctly. And, you know, I think when we understand what our selling price is, you know, there's the cost of labor, there's the cost of materials and sundries, there might be equipment rentals that we're going to include in a faux finishing or decorative painting world, there might be additional material that you need to consider, whether it's a different kind of coating or a finer kind of coating. You also have different tools that you need to consider. So, you you know, you may have done some work in the last couple of years to evaluate what your sales price is and be very deliberate about it. But now you're talking about different kinds of things. And you want to make sure that you do that because if you, if you're not considering that, then you're not going to be able to sell it correctly. If you don't sell it correctly, you're not going to be able to produce it correctly. And I think a lot of the businesses that we work with, the biggest detractor to starting something new is getting, you know, three, six, nine months in and recognizing, wow, we didn't sell it right at the beginning. And now it's not making a profit. And is it worth pursuing? So that's where I would start. I would start with that. You know, do we need these tools? Our idea of a tool kit might be pretty simple in nature, but now do we have to add finer working tools in there? There's also an approach to maybe completing an entire interior home and then doing some beautiful detail work in maybe the dining room and the amount of speed that's going to go into completing the interior of the house versus what that fine detail work might look like and what it might take to get it to be just the way somebody wants it to be. 
So starting with really that sales process and knowing, you know, how are we going to price this? What are we going to need to buy? Who are we going to need to train? How long is it going to take? Because you're right, even though this is decorative and this is, this is a finer finishing, this is a finer craft out there. And so it is going to take longer, but ensuring that you actually know how long it's actually going to take. But if you've answered those questions and now you know how you're going to sell it, you've got a pretty decent idea how you're pricing the work that you're going to do. You know that there's some troubleshooting that's going to have to happen down the road. But what about providing the skill? Because not everyone can do this. This is a trained craft. How do you decide if you're going to outsource something like this? Maybe you know a really good decorative painter around who's willing to kind of sub out work for you, how if you're going to hire someone specifically for that purpose, or if you're going to upskill one of your current employees, how do you decide which route you're going to take? Emily, I'm so glad that you had mentioned that because I think in a number of businesses, the career path that somebody enters when they start is very clear. You're an apprentice, you're going to become a painter. After that, you're a job leader or a crew leader. After that, maybe you're a field supervisor. And this can be a very good way to get those people who maybe don't want to be managing others or managing jobs a further opportunity, which could include either maybe some additional pay for doing the work or maybe some pay for performance. So if a job turns out profitably, they might get a little kicker. So, you know, when I'm looking at something like this, I I like that idea of getting those people on my team who are maybe not career path and going for that single trajectory up, but who might have other culture benefits to being in the organization. Maybe we're talking about somebody who is actually more solitary in their work performance than they are team-oriented I'm looking at that from a team-based perspective and thinking that having that as an internal skill is going to benefit my business. It's going to be something that I can market. It's something that I can sell to maybe my higher-end clients when I'm there on a job site. And, oh, hey, I see you've got this in this room. This would be something that we'd be able to provide. If we are talking about maybe starting to sell something that you don't have the skill set for, I think it does make a lot of sense to align yourself with somebody in your community that can do that. Maybe it's a mentoring opportunity for you and somebody who's maybe more well-established so that you can learn that skill. But I do, as I said before, I, I think that the opportunity to get somebody on board who might be interested in that. We've got a, a business that we work with, Two Dudes Painting, and you know, I've had the privilege of working with Brian McCaskey and talking to him a little bit about their career path. And they actually do have people who've studied fine arts or who are interested in that creative world. And they come in thinking that they're going to get a summer job between, you know, college years or whatever, and then really find out that it's a, a warm and welcoming place to be. And so, so it could also be that you're hiring in for it. You're finding somebody who doesn't understand that painting can be a nicely paid job and they can employ skills that maybe they didn't realize they could use in a painting company, you know? Well, I think it's just, it's a tremendous opportunity for growth. 
in my opinion. Um, so I do, you know, it provides an interesting talking point at the very least, but there is going to be a learning curve for you and for any employees who are doing this as well. How do you start to budget for stuff like this? Do you plan that there might be a loss at the beginning? How do you deal with the budgetary part of this? You know, I do want to make sure that we're maybe adding in uh, that, again, how would I characterize that? You know, the adding in just a little bit of extra, a little plush at the, because there are going to be mistakes. You're going to have to go back and you're going to have to do some corrections unless you've hired somebody in who has a demonstrable skill in it, who you, you know, from reference checking and from operating and watching them work that they can actually do it, you're going to make a few mistakes and you want to make sure that you're able to do that. I would highly recommend making sure that you're job costing these jobs quickly and early on. So if you're at the very height of your busy season and you're maybe sitting down with your finance person and job costing once a month, accelerate those jobs so that you can take a look and see. So evaluation needs to happen early so that you can go back and correct any sales errors that you might be making. I would also say on a, on a leadership level, the regular interaction with those kinds of jobs. So if it's a simple job and it's only going to take a day or two, you're not going to be able to do multiple trips there. But if we're talking about something that is a little bit more detailed and requires more time, what are you as either business owner or is your leadership team doing to check on that work during the process so that if something does go wrong, you're able to correct it before it becomes too late. And what about from a projection standpoint, should you have a number in mind, a revenue projection that you're trying to hit? I feel like part of this is what are you willing to risk? So if you've got a marketing plan already well-established and you can insert this type of work right into that. If, if it's a seamless entry into that and you can add, whether it's your social media, you're adding maybe images of projects that have been completed, or if it's your Google AdWords, if you can add it in pretty simply, then I would say you could set a very modest revenue target out there. I'm a little worried about putting a number without understanding how you're going to be able to sell it. Uh, so you know, if you've got one person who you think can do it maybe 50% of the time, and maybe you can charge 25% more or even 35 or 50% more than what you typically are charging. I mean, I sort of would go up there, you know, we, we have a revenue cookbook, right? When we work with clients, we know exactly how much work one person can do, how much revenue is generated with that hourly sales price. And so I would bump it up from there. So how many people do you have on board who can actually do it? What's your selling price going to be? Get yourself a target, add a little bit in there for maybe those mistakes that might be made at the outset, because you might have to do some corrections. And then I think as we typically say, when you've got a goal, check your status to the goal in a pretty regular perspective. So you're not just putting a $50,000 goal out there and then wondering at the end of the year why you didn't sell it. You know, where, where do you need to be focused in your goals? Is there any risk involved? Well, to what extent is risk a problem? And to what extent does a contractor need to concern themselves with risk? If you're an auto mechanic and you're like, you know what? I got an extra bay. That'd be great for a bakery. That could be a risky add-on for a car mechanic. 
That would sure be a risky ad. I'll tell you what, though. We've got an auto mechanic over here that does manicures and pedicures because she <laughs> she only caters to women. So it's, it's pretty fun. That's um, awesome. It I is awesome. That. It really is awesome. But, you know, in terms of the risk, I feel like this is a simple math problem. We know some of the variables here, right? We know how much the people costs are going to be. And we know how much the material costs are going to be. And we know how much the tool costs are going to be. Um, and it's just now a matter of kind of plugging it into that equation and selling it appropriately. I think the risk is, do you have clients out there who want it? And, and if you know that that's to be true, that that is the case, then then I don't consider, I wouldn't consider this a risk. I would say, go for it because you've got your variables covered. Now, just make sure you're looking at the variables. Well, I like what you said about variables, right? But sit down, write down what you do know. Figure out yeah. what you do know, figure out yeah. what you don't know and find those things out. And then of course, there's always going to be one or two things that you don't know and you're not going to know until you do it. So, right, right. And that's just life. What about timing? My guess is you might not want to roll this out in July when exterior is going wild. Now that's, a, you <laughs> know, you- and that's true. I've been a coach in this industry for almost 10 years now. And, you know, there's rhythms to the world, right, that we live in. I would absolutely say we are so lucky to be talking about this now because it's something that you could begin selling. You could ramp it up. You can pull back if it gets to be busy during the exterior season because you've got to put all of your people out there on the exterior projects that we have. So, I I mean, I I don't think I would recommend starting any new kind of project when you are completely at full throttle, unless you have that perfect job that's going to set you up for success for the the next 10 years. I'm I'm saying, boy, aren't we lucky to be starting it in January? Nice. I think that makes sense. There is a rhythm to the world. And on paint radio, it's a syncopated shuffle beat rhythm that is very easy to listen to. Catherine, you were very easy to listen to. Thank you for adding very important, useful, needed information to the podcast. Again, that's Catherine Freeman of the Nolan Consulting Group. One of the best friends there is to paint radio. Check them out. Learn more about what they do at nolancg.com. Thank you, Catherine. Good stuff. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Emily. Always happy to come in and share a lot of what we do. To everybody else. Thank you for listening. Shuffle on over to paintmag.com. So many great resources, including on the podcast page. Holy cow. Talk about Nolan Consulting Group. Check out those Mission Vacation podcasts. A bevy of wonderful information about corporate and company operations, how to act intelligently, how to grow your business better, quicker, smarter. Great, great stuff. Thanks for listening to Paint Radio, everybody. Have a great day.